It's time for Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the show focusing on fishing, hunting, outdoor recreation, destinations, and conservation in the region where you live and play. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lure Company, Sportsman's Warehouse, and Wallowa County. And now, let's see what's going on in the field and on the water with your host, John Cruz. Welcome aboard. It's a big weekend for me and my best friend, Rusty Johnston. We are fishing the Mount St. Helens Bassmasters Big Bass Tournament at Eastern Washington's Potholes Reservoir. Now, assuming 100 boats are registered for the event, there's going to be hourly cash prizes for the two biggest bass weighed in from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And at the end of the day, the team with the biggest bass, they're going to get 10 thousand dollars the second biggest bass that's not shabby either we're talking about three grand talk about big bass and big money rusty and i have been out a couple of times pre-fishing for this tournament in an effort to figure out where the bass are and just as important when fishing a big twenty-seven thousand plus acre reservoir where the bass are not and we'll be sharing our strategies about how to pre-fish a bass tournament later in the show. And I've got to tell you, I'd like to say I came up with all of this strategy myself, but it's actually something I learned from Bassmaster Pro Angler Chris Johnston when I got to spend a practice day with him at the Bassmaster Classic last year. This is pretty much a year to a day when we fished the Berkeley Big Bass Tournament together at Potholes Reservoir, an event we struggled in with high winds pushing our light aluminum boat all over the water and waves shorting out our bow mount trolling motor. This year, we've got a new and improved fiberglass bass boat from Nitro, but the winds are forecast to kick up and the temperature is supposed to drop, so fishing could be tough. Wish us luck. We're going to need it. Sticking with fishing, Bob Loomis will join us for an extended Max Minute and share details about a rig you can use to catch hefty spring Chinook this month here in the Pacific Northwest. And then it's time to travel. Our first destination is the state of Idaho, where Craig Quintana with Idaho State Parks will tell you about several parks throughout the state you really ought to visit this spring. Not only are these parks great destinations for day use or camping enthusiasts, but several parks are offering programs about archery, astronomy, and more geared towards individuals who are being exposed to these subjects for the very first time. Our other destination? That would be Devil's Tower National Monument in eastern Wyoming. Amnesty Kokonofsky, the National Park Service Superintendent for this stunningly unique and beautiful place, will tell you about the history and cultural significance of Devil's Tower, that 867-foot-tall rock, also known as Bear Lodge. She'll also tell you about the increased visitation that Devil's Tower has seen during the COVID pandemic and things to do while you are here to include hiking, camping, wildlife watching, and even rock climbing up Devil's Tower itself. On top of this, we'll give you some ideas about things to do during this month of April outdoors. And as always, we've got a trivia question of the week for you from our friends at Sportsman's Warehouse, where you get the chance to win a $25 gift card from America's premier outfitter. Let's kick things off, as we always do, with another edition of Sportsman's Spotlight with David Sparks, brought to you every week by the Ag Information Network of the West. 
The Process of Becoming a Hunter, David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Sam Williamson lives about 40 miles from Boulder, Colorado, and runs an online business called RepYourWater.com. The business sells fishing and hunting apparel, and the nifty thing about the whole concept is the fact that they donate some of their profits to conservation efforts. Sam has taken advantage of his location by becoming an avid trout fly fisherman. But then he had a fishing buddy who also hunted, and the rest is history. I've been hunting for four years. Got into it. A buddy of mine asked me if I wanted to go hunting, and I was like, sure, and decided to get my hunter safety. Did not grow up a hunter, just grew up a fisherman, and so this was kind of a new thing for me. And got into archery right away. Been archery hunting for three seasons and been kind of slowly getting into the rifle game as well. So yeah, I just kind of got into it because I had a good buddy of mine that we always fished together. He brought me into it and that's about it. Just stumbled into it. What made you think bow first and rifle second? You know, that's a good question. I got into bow because honestly it was cheaper. I know that's weird to say, but my buddy had an older bow, a 1989 Golden Eagle. He lent it to me, and I just kind of started from there. And I really enjoyed the closeness of archery and being able to be a little bit more stealthy. And I don't know, it just kind of spoke to me more than the rifle did. I loved hearing him say that right from the get-go, he took a hunter safety course. In another episode, a hunting success. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. You've probably been told that to reach a millennial farmer, you have to go digital. Hmm. Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, an online publication, or maybe a podcast. Hmm, but which one? Oh, and how receptive is this age group to your sales pitch during non-work social time? Maybe the best place to reach a farmer with a farming solution message is when they are, well, quite frankly, farming. You know, it's easy for us to find them during the day as most farmers are behind the wheel of a pickup truck or farm equipment with the radio on, listening to this station featuring the Ag Information Network News. If you'd like to deliver information about your terrific product or service, give us a call and we'll connect you directly with our community of loyal farmer listeners. Reach real farmers right here, right now, as they listen to what is important to their farm operation. They trust us, they'll trust you. I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. Gonna get up before the sun rise above us. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz, and I just finished fishing on Potholes Reservoir with my best friend and the other member of the Northwestern Outdoors Radio fishing team, Rusty Johnston. Rusty, long day, hard day, but a great day on the water. Oh, any day on the water is a great day with you, John. We always have fun. It was fun. It was tough, but we did it. Well, we were pre-fishing today for a big bass tournament that the Mount St. Helens Bassmasters is putting on here at Potholes Reservoir in eastern Washington on April 9th. And we're about nine days ahead of this event here. But I had gotten out a week earlier in a kayak way up at the north end and fished for four hours, only got three bites, only caught two fish, but... I figured something out, and that was the fish were not on the soft bottoms. They weren't in really shallow under the trees yet. They were near wood, whether it be beaver huts or whether it be willows or whether it be just floating debris that was over hard sand, and that's where we were looking today. 
Yeah, and that's what we really did seem to find them out there. We found, because the wind was blowing not too bad today, but it was fishable. And where the branches and everything from the wind we had yesterday was blowing up against the tulies, it gave them a lot of cover. And we were fishing about, uh, I would say, two to five feet of water. And the big girl was underneath that. Well, we'll we'll get to the big girl in a minute. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I want to talk about pre-fishing for a tournament folks because it's not just going out and going fishing and then going back the next week to wherever you just stumbled onto the fish you actually and i learned this from a bass pro chris johnston who i met at the Bassmaster classic last year he's finished top 10 two Bassmaster classics in a row i got to spend practice day with him and he didn't get a bite for an hour and a half. And I asked him, Chris, aren't you depressed? He says, no, I'm just eliminating water. And that's what happened on my kayak fishing trip. And that's what happened with us today, too. We went four hours before we got a fish in the boat. Yeah, we did. I was thinking, about well, this is fun. This might be time to go home. <laughs> See if we can find a football game from last year. <laughs> but we did find them. And we did find them where there was hard sand and where there was wood. And you started off with a two-pounder. And then we were, you know, fishing next to a a couple of small islands back in the dunes. And there was some woody debris that was in between these islands. And what were you fishing when you hooked the big girl? I was fishing with a half ounce blue and black jig with a chigger craw on the back. And I saw this one spot. I said, okay, I'm going to flip up in there, dropped it in there. And she just ran off with it. And folks, this was an incredible bass. And Rusty doesn't get really excited about fish very often, but there was some real concern when he was trying to haul this bass out of all this brush, and he needed a net. And fortunately, I did my job as a net man right, and you did your job. Oh my gosh, this was the fish of a lifetime. Six-pound largemouth bass. Yeah, it's the largest one I've ever caught. I mean, I've caught a few nice four-and-a-half to five pounds on the west side, but over here, you know, I've caught three, fours, and everything else. But when she stuck her face out of the water and shook it, I just went, oh, here we go. (laughs) And you had such an adrenaline rush go through. It took you like 15 minutes after the fish was released to calm down. And, yes, we released that fish, and, yes, we hope we run across that fish again because if we do – we are probably going to win at least $1,000 this big bass tournament that the Mount St. Helens Bassmasters is putting on this weekend, the weekend that you are hearing this program. There's an hourly weigh-in every hour from 9 to 3. The heaviest bass weighed in is worth $1,000. Now, the heaviest bass that's weighed in all day, that is worth $10,000. The second heaviest bass is worth $3,000. And this six-pound bass, that would have definitely been in the running for the top bass or the second-place bass. No doubt in my mind it would have won an hourly cash prize of $1,000. I mean, that was at least $1,000, maybe a $10,000 bass. We just need to catch it on the right day. Yeah, we missed that one a little bit. But yeah, it was fun. We had a great day and we learned some new things. And it's just all about trying different strategies, different lures, you know, mixing it up a, a bit, making sure that the person you're fishing with isn't using the same lure you are. So you can kind of break things down and find what they want to hit. You know, and believe me, 
I wanted to pick up my blue and black jig after you caught those two fish because I hadn't had a bite all day and we're like four and a half hours into it. But I was fishing spinner baits. I was fishing a chatter bait and the chatter baits would finally do the trick. That's what I caught a couple bass on my kayak fishing trip. And eventually I did get two bass. And the first one was a three pounder. It was right after you got yours. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's a pound and a half, two pounds. And you're like, no, that's a good bass. And sure enough, it was a three pound fish. It was just looked so tiny in comparison to yours <laughs> well yes it was <laughs> but you know it was one of the things is that we did find where they're hanging out and you know you're right with the sandy bottom was a deal and also close to deeper water i think it was a big deal too i think you're right and i think that's why we struggled at first you know when i found them Earlier this week, we had a warm front, and they were in two to four feet of water. But where we found them today, you know, there was a cool front that passed through last night with some wind, temperature drop, and those fish were sliding down off the shelves, and we were finding them a little bit deeper. Yeah, I mean, we had winds over here on the potholes that were blowing 35 miles an hour last night. I mean, there was a tumbleweed migration going on, and I think it did push them out a little bit, but I think with the warming of the wood and warming of the sand, they're starting to move back in so it just should get better and better got to talk about a couple other things one of them is just potholes reservoir i mean you are so lucky literally live right next door to pothole state park we literally have to trailer our boat less than a mile to the state park boat launch and we are on the water and we are fishing it's a twenty-seven thousand acre reservoir and it's so unique it's unlike any other place i've ever fished or visited you and i grew up hunting it but then we became avid anglers on this lake too yeah i mean from living on the west side my whole life and coming over here just the diversity of this lake and the way it changes it makes you become a better fisherman because you have to find where the fish are moving to Right. They are not in the same place all year long, that's for sure. The water levels drop. It's called Potholes Reservoir because as the waters drop, you have these sand-filled basins, potholes that are full of water. And a lot of them have fish, a lot of them have ducks and other wildlife. And that's the other thing. This area, I love fishing back in the sand dunes where we are fishing today and where most people fish this time of year because the wildlife is just off the charts. What were some of the, the animals and birds we saw today that were impressive to you? Well, we saw deer. It's a nice group of deer. We saw, you know, great blue herons, young eagles, full-grown eagles, hawks, osprey. We saw lots of birds and thousands and thousands of ducks, all sorts of different species. Believe it or not, still some snow geese and lots of Canada geese, too. Uh, if, if you're a bird watcher, a wildlife watcher, you know, take a boat or a kayak or a canoe back in the sand dunes. You're just going to love the experience. One other thing that I loved, and yeah, we're going to brag a little bit here. We got a new bass boat. It's a Z17 Nitro. Got it in December. This was, what, our third time out with it? Third time. And, yeah, the first time we went out was December. Right. It was a little chilly. Shakedown cruise. Shakedown cruise. It was a little chilly. But, you know, we we got out today. Winds were a little bit blowing, but we got back in the dunes, and it was nice. And it was a fun day of fishing. And this is not one of those 250-horse bass boats, but it is a fiberglass bass boat. It's got a 90-horse on it. It'll run up to 37, 38 miles an hour. Tons of storage space and handles like an absolute dream. Can't say enough good things about the Z17 Nitro. You and I, you know, we thought we were going to be buying a used tin boat, but we've got this beautiful fiberglass bass boat within our budget that only had 17 hours on the engine. I mean, it's essentially brand new. 
Oh, it is brand new. It just purrs like a kitten. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot of the boats out there, they got the big 250s on, you know, that's all fine and dandy, but, you know, this is the little Ferrari for us. We're having a good time. It sure is. Well, Rusty, here's hoping that we find not only your bass on April 9th, but maybe this blind squirrel will find us a big bass, too. And then we'll both cash in at the Mount St. Helens Bassmaster Big Bass Tournament here at Potholes Reservoir. We will be sure to give you some on-the-water audio next week, and you'll find out how we did. Can't wait to go fishing, Rusty. Oh, I can't wait either. I'm just counting the days. I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. You know what time it is. It's time for another Extended Max Minute brought to you every week from Max Lure. With us again, Bob Loomis. Bob, let's talk Spring Chinook. Okay. Right now, a lot of anglers on the Columbia River and soon on the Snake River and other tributaries as well are going to be really targeting Spring Chinook. We've got a decent run this year, but a lot of folks are looking for, well looking to build a better mousetrap to catch more fish. What would you recommend they use? Well, my first go-to is going to be the Scent Flash Triangle. The Scent Flash Triangle Flasher is a triangle flasher that can be set up and filled with scent. That way you've got a scent trail, obviously attracting fish as you're trolling around wherever you're trolling. That whole setup for attraction, not only visibly because it's a triangle flasher, it's rotating, but having that added scent and then putting behind it prawn spinner with a uh, prawn on it is absolutely phenomenal. The prawn spinners are set up with a 1.9 inch smile blade and a sliding hook so you can adjust it to the size of your prawn on there so it, it rides flat. And with the colors that we've got set up, they're absolutely phenomenal for spring fisheries. What kind of shrimp do you like to use on that? Most everybody uses prawns. The prawns that everybody's using are a cured shrimp. And the way they're set up, you know, they're stiff enough. That's why I made the statement about being able to move your upper hook and set it up so that your shrimp, excuse me, your prawn rides flat on the hook. So as it's spinning... Everything is all nice and even, and it works fantastically well, especially with all the uh, UV blades that we've got on there and the UV beads. Well, there you go. Like me, you probably just learned something about shrimp and prawns and what's going to work to catch springers this year. You can find out more about these products at maxlure.com or look for them at a quality sporting goods store near you. Game-changing. That's the best way to describe the new Scent Flash UV Triangle Flasher from Max Lure Company. This 360-degree rotational inline flasher features a scent-release system attracting salmon to the lure behind it like no other flasher on the market. Soak the free scent pad with any type of oil or gel, or load up the cavity with any type of bait for fishing success beyond your wildest dreams. It's the Scent Flash UV Triangle Flasher, only from Max Lure Company. 
Want to go fishing and make money? You are in luck. This year's Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery kicks off May 1st. Just register at a check station and go fishing for 9-inch or longer northern pike minnow within designated waters of the Columbia or Snake River. Then you bring your fish back and collect a voucher good for a cash reward. The more fish you catch, the more they're worth. Catch a pike minnow with a special tag and you've landed 500 bucks. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. That's pikeminnow.org. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wingbeats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We're going to take you to a place that I have really wanted to visit and plan on doing so. You'll find it in eastern Wyoming. It's a place that our listeners tuning in today out of Sundance on FM 103.9 KYDT are very familiar with. It's Devil's Tower National Monument. We've got the superintendent of this monument on the line. It's Amnesty Kohanovsky. She is with the National Park Service. Amnesty, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. When most folks of a certain age, like mine, see Devil's Tower, they immediately think of the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind that was shot in part there back in the mid-1970s. But there's a lot more history and cultural significance to Devil's Tower than that, isn't there? There is. So Close Encounters came out in 77, and the tower has existed for what we estimate to be about 50 million years. Wow. Fast forward a couple million years, Devil's Tower, also known to many as Barrel Lodge, was established in 1906 as the nation's first national monument under the Antiquities Act by President Theodore Roosevelt. And our purpose is to protect and preserve a world-class geologic and sacred landmark. And Devil's Tower Bear Lodge has shaped thousands of years of American Indian culture and the history of the Northern Great Plains. Tell me a little bit about the significance of Devil's Tower to the, the Native Americans that live in that region. Yeah. Devil's Tower, also known as Bear Lodge, is sacred to at least 26 affiliated Native American tribes. Since time immemorial, it has been considered a sacred site and remains so to this day. Devil's Tower is 867 feet tall from the base of the summit. And and I was completely unaware that it is a very popular climbing destination. What is it about the tower in terms of the rock formation and geology that draws so many climbers? And are there some basic rules climbers need to adhere to while they're there? Thanks for asking. The tower itself is a rare type of igneous rock called phonolite porphyry. And there are hundreds of parallel cracks dividing the tower into large hexagonal columns. And those columns create some of the best, most traditional crack climbing in North America. There are over 200 routes on all sides of the tower. On an annual basis, about 5,000 people climb the tower. And those cracks I spoke about vary in length and width. Some are wide enough to fit one's entire body into it. Others are so small that it would just be fingers. And the longest cracks extend over 400 feet upwards. 
Oh my gosh. You know, we were talking off the the microphone. One of my favorite places to go to is in Oregon, Smith Rock State Park. I'm not a climber, but I love walking the trails and watching the climbers work their way up towards the top. Same thing there at Devil's Tower. A lot of hikers taking in that same view and that same excitement. Yes, we have a wonderful trail, the Tower Trail, that goes around the base of the tower, and visitors can look up every month of the year and see people climbing the tower, which is entertaining in itself and pretty astounding. During the month of June, we ask climbers to consider not climbing out of respect for Native American cultural activities. It's a voluntary closure, and most climbers choose not to climb during June. A few other things for climbers out there. We ask that you please obtain a free permit, and this is to track how many people are climbing the tower. The park has had a database since 1937. And then equally as important for climbers, no permanent gear is allowed to be placed. So climbers put in temporary pieces and then remove it. And climbers cannot pound anything into the rock like pittons for anchors to repel. So you can use gear to get up. It's not just free climbing. Correct. Climbers use camelots, like spring-loaded devices. Most climbers choose to use gear, but it's all temporary and comes out. The Park Service, we maintain and replace some of the historic anchors so climbers can use that to repel back to the ground. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's move on to other things besides climbing and hiking. I understand you've got quite a bit of wildlife there on the monument. How big is the monument itself? Yeah, it's just under 1,400 acres and chock full of wildlife. So we have mule and white-tailed deer, many types of birds, raptors like eagles, falcons, hawks, turkey vultures. We have 11 species of bats here. As we all know, they're so important to our ecosystem. Fox, coyotes, porcupines, some of the less spotted wildlife, badgers, and mountain lions. When you come and visit, John, you'll (laughs) enter the park, and about one mile after the entrance station, on the left side of the road, it's Prairie Dog Town. And some visitors are enamored with little prairie dogs. So that's a very popular, especially for out-of-state people, to enjoy the prairie dogs. We ask that visitors do not approach or feed them. Prairie dogs can carry plague. Yeah, we don't want that spreading around, that's for sure. All right, one thing I love about visiting National Parks and National Monuments are the ranger-led programs. I'm assuming you have some of those there at Devil's Tower? We do. And if I may take this opportunity, we are struggling to hire our summer staff. So if anyone knows or are interested in working here at the monument themselves, get a hold of me. You can send me an email at D-E-T-O underscore superintendent at nps.gov, D-E-T-O underscore superintendent at nps.gov. Send your resume. So right now, our rangers are focused more on roving than scheduled programs. And roving is mingling on the trails in the picnic area when our campground opens being there. And then as we get more staff, yes, we'll have formal ranger-led programs. All right. Good to know. And again, folks, if you're looking for a job, what a magnificent place to work this summer. I understand the Devil's Tower is a really popular place to visit. You broke records last year with over 550,000 visitors. Now, you actually have a campground in the park. Is this one that you reserve in advance or is it first come, first serve? 
Our beautiful Belfouche River campground has about 50 sites. It's open May 15 through October 15 on a first-come, first-served basis. And it is most busy during the month of September. Interesting. That's usually the month I travel to national parks because I'm trying to get away from the crowds. But you attract more that month than any other? Yes. And the visitation patterns are shifting. So as you mentioned, yeah, we had a record-breaking year last year. It was 21% over the last normal year pre-pandemic. And it seems like people are trying to avoid the busy summertime and come in spring and fall. And we appreciate that. The campground might be a bit more full. As I mentioned, our park is relatively small geographically. So when you come to visit, consider this time of the year. It's just beautiful today in April. If that's not possible and you come in June, July, and August when 80% of visitation occurs, know that parking near the visitor center and the tower typically fills by 10 in the morning. So if you're able to come a time other than 10 to 2, your experience probably will be more enjoyable. All right. There's some great advice about a great place to visit that's on my bucket list. And you've inspired me to to move up my visit quite a bit on the bucket list, too. It's Devil's Tower National Monument. If you want to find out more, go to the website. You'll find it at nps.gov slash D-E-T-O. That's nps.gov slash D-E-T-O. And again, if you're looking for a summer job and a magnificent setting, consider contacting Amnesty at Devil's Tower National Monument, and uh, you might just land a job there. Amnesty, thank you so much for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. You're welcome, John. It's all staff and my pleasure to serve at Devil's Tower National Monument and share it with the visiting public. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Greg Quintana on the line. He's a senior public information officer for Idaho State Parks and Recreation. And if you haven't been to one of their parks in Idaho, you might want to do so. There is a whole lot going on. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. So I was checking out the website at parksandrecreation.idaho.gov. Always look at the events page, and I see that you've got this first-time experiences program going on. So far this month, you've had archery at City of Rocks and Castle Rocks, and yesterday, the 8th, you had an astronomy program at the park, and you're going to have the, the same astronomy program on the 22nd. What are these first-time experience programs about? You know, it's the brainchild of our folks out there at City and Castle, and and they're trying to um, 
provide, I guess, entryway for folks to come in and, and experience parks in ways that they might not have done it before, and also to provide, you know, new experiences. Hey, I've always wondered about astronomy, but, you know, I, I don't know where to start. Well, here's a safe space and a safe place to do so. They'll give it to you in bite-sized chunks, make it easy and educational. It, it really is focusing in on the youngsters and, and trying to get them into the outdoors. The same thing with archery, fishing, camping. It's just an attempt to make these outdoor experiences more accessible to folks who, you know, may have been a little leery just because they haven't had the opportunity. Well, here it is on a silver platter. You know, when I think of astronomy in Idaho, I always think of Bruno Dunes State Park because it's got that observatory there that they open up for folks to check out the stars and planets. Yeah, we're really proud of the observatory, and uh, good things are coming. Uh, we're actually about to put in a second dome out at Bruno and a new bigger scope that's going to give us a lot of capability that we currently don't enjoy. And we'll hope to have that all done by 2023, which would be the 25th anniversary of astronomy programs out at Bruno. And so it, it's a pretty exciting time. We're going to convert the old scope into a machine that can provide video astronomy, so you don't have to actually get up right on top of it and use an eyepiece. So that's great for group interactions and that kind of thing. And then the new scope will be able to do some other astronomy events that we haven't been able to do with the older technology. So it'll be a, a nice marriage of, of the new and the old out at Bruno Dunes. Well, I'm definitely going to mark my calendar for next year to check that out. Let's talk about some of the more popular parks to visit in Idaho in the spring and why they get so much traffic during the spring months. What do you think is the park that gets the most visitation? this time of year? Well, some of our parks that are lower and no longer snowbound, Eagle Island is one of our most visited parks that's in our top five. And this time of year, it's still accessible, even though we're in the, the throes of, you know, the wet spring. Eagle just in, in 2020 was the, the biggest year uh, ever for Idaho State Parks. We had 7.7 uh, .7 million guests. And that year alone, Eagle posted 532,000 of those guests. And then they went and topped it and, and did bigger numbers the following year, 620,000. And so it's, it's one of our heavily used facilities. And, and part of the reason is it's right in the middle of the Treasure Valley, the Boise metro area. So it's very accessible. Uh, and obviously, people make use of it. You know, just up the road, we have Lucky Peak. And during that record-setting year of 2020, Lucky Peak, for the first time ever, broke a million visitors. So it was just mind-boggling. And they had an off year last year because the water uh, went down a little earlier due to the unfortunate the, the drought conditions. They only posted 865,000 guests last year. So, you know, really, they were phoning it in. What can we say? We're, we're, we're looking at management changes. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> That's an amazing amount of visitation. I mean, you expect to hear that at state parks in like California or maybe close to Seattle or Portland. But boy, oh boy, that's something else. If you want to get away from the crowds a little bit, what would be another state park you'd recommend visiting this time of year? Well, you know, we just talked about them a minute ago. City of Rocks and Castle Rocks. If you want to see some interesting geology, if you want to get out and, and do some hiking 
or biking. Those are great places to be. We have uh, very experienced rangers who are give wonderful interpretive tours, and it's just an experience that people, you know, are, are surprised that they can get, and it's fairly accessible. It's not that far out of town, and you know, it's renowned for the rock climbing, but you don't have to be someone who's going to go scale a, a big rock to get a lot out of that experience of going out there. And I would urge people to to look into it if they happen to be in the area. You know, one of my favorite state parks in Idaho when it comes to learning about things would be your state park that you have in Lewiston. It's got the Jack O'Connor Center there. It's got a great interpretive center that covers the Lewis and Clark expedition in that area. And you can also hop on a jet boat and explore Hell's Canyon. Yeah, Hell's Gate's got a lot to offer, it really is, and and, it, and it's all year. As we found, almost all of our parks are these days in that, you know, just we used to have a shoulder season where you kind of catch your breath. Now we're doing business throughout the year, even in, in the parks that have big snow. And Hell's, being down in the canyon there, usually is fairly temperate, and, and like you say, it's, there's a lot to do, particularly if you want to get on the water. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about maybe something else towards the eastern part of Idaho that would be a great place to visit this time of year? Well, if people haven't had the the opportunity, Harriman is just a gorgeous place to be. It's the old railroad ranch, and it helped found the Idaho State Park System in that it was a quest to the state, and it came with the condition that it had to have a professional park uh, operation to handle it. And so we've uh, we've tried to maintain the railroad ranch substantially as both a, a recreational opportunity, but also uh, hold on to that history of, of the Harrimans and, and the others who, uh, you know, were kind of, you know, pioneering uh, industrialists opening up the West way back when. And so it, that's a great place to be. And another unit, the subunit of that park is Henry's Lake. And, you know, the reputation of that place precedes it. If you want to do some fishing and see some scenery, that's a great place to be. And another subunit of Harriman is Mesa Falls, one of the most beautiful locations in Idaho and not always, you know, high up on, on the radar for most folks. It involves a hike to get the best view of the falling water. But if you're willing to put in a little sweat equity, you'll be well rewarded with a view that'll uh, just take your breath away. Oh, Craig, you were giving us all sorts of ideas about where to go in Idaho this spring to enjoy your state parks. And folks, if you go to parksandrecreation.idaho.gov, check out the camping page. Reservations are open nine months in advance. That means some of the more popular parks are pretty well booked already, but now is the time to look if you want to try to get into one this summer. And you can certainly book for the fall too. Like Craig said, there isn't really a shoulder season anymore and September is a glorious time to camp in any state park in the Northwest. The website again, parksandrecreation.idaho.gov. And Craig, I would like to thank you for sharing all of this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. My pleasure, John. Appreciate the interest. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafoods. That's the company that delivers delicious wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. Everything from Copper River sockeye salmon to halibut to sable fish and even king crab legs. Better still, they are offering a 10% discount to our listeners. If you want to take advantage of that, 
go to SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com, and put in the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO. Once you do that, you get 10% off your entire order. The website again, SinaSea.com, and the promo code for 10% off, Outdoors Radio. Stick around, we've got more of the great outdoors coming your way, and let's go ahead and end this segment with the same music we started it with. A little ditty from our friend Frank Prenovost, who brings us quite a bit of music on this show. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallowa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallowa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallowa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallowa County. Plan your visit today at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Go fishing, make money, help out, and have fun. That's what the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery is all about. From May 1st through September 30th, catch pike minnow out of the Columbia and Snake Rivers and turn them in for cash. Pike minnow eat juvenile salmon and steelhead. Each one you catch helps more juvenile fish reach the ocean. Pike minnow are worth anywhere from 5 to 8 bucks, and keep an eye out for tagged fish worth $500. Find out more at pikeminnow.org and go fishing. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And it's about the Lewis and Clark Expedition that launched in 1803 and made its way to the Pacific Ocean at the mouth of the Columbia. Everyone knows about Lewis and Clark, of course, and several other members of the expedition to include Sacagawea. But did you know... A dog was also a member of this expedition. The dog was a Newfie, a Newfoundland water dog, and it actually proved its worth as a guard dog and a hunter, actually hunting squirrels, among other things, and bringing them back for expedition members to eat. Here's your question. What was the name of that dog that accompanied the Lewis and Clark expedition? If you know the answer, you probably had a really good history teacher in school, or you're just into history yourself. If you don't, you might have to Google this one. You can always just Google 
Lewis and Clark's dog, and I'm sure you'll find the answer in a hurry as to what the name of that dog was. Once you do that, you can go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. If you haven't already, please like and follow the page. It helps us out a lot. And then look for the post thread where we have the question and give us your answer there. If you don't do Facebook, I really do understand. Just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and let us know the name of that Newfoundland water dog that accompanied the Lewis and Clark expedition over 200 years ago from Missouri all the way to the Pacific Ocean. One lucky person who guesses right wins the $25 gift card we give away every week from America's Premier Outfitter. It's early April, and that means there's a lot going on in the outdoors right now. A lot of that snow is melted, and hiking trails are available, and those first flowers are starting to pop up. A wildflower walk in the spring is always a pleasant experience. A couple of hunting seasons are either underway or about to kick off. That includes spring bear hunting in Oregon and turkey hunting in several of our northwestern states. That's always a popular event. And let's not forget fishing. As you heard, the bass are really big right now in the pre-spawn, and you can get them to bite. Walleye fishing has been very good across much of the Northwest. The spring Chinook are starting to show in numbers on the Columbia River and other rivers in the Pacific Northwest. And let's not forget trout fishing. A lot of lakes will be opening up at the end of the month in April, but a lot of lakes all over the greater Northwest and Rocky Mountain West, they're open right now for fishing. Quite a few of them have been stocked by state fishing game agencies, and whether they have or not, you know there's some holdovers in there that are worth going after. So lace up your hiking boots, put on your camo clothing, or grab your rod and reel and get out there and enjoy what April has to offer. And if you need any gear to enjoy any of these activities, you know where to go. That would be your local Sportsman's Warehouse store. With 126 of them located around the United States and quite a few of them here in the Northwest, there's bound to be one near you with the gear you need to be successful this month. We're going to leave on that note. So until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.